Leon, thank you so much for that welcome. It's very, very touching and humbling, actually. It, it's funny, I was, I, I'm from a brethren background, if anybody you know what that is, and we were really discouraged from using superlatives. So you couldn't either look back and say something was good because only God can give that assessment, and you couldn't look forward to anything and say it was good because that would bring glory to man and not to God. So I mean, if I was doing, if I had been doing what you know Leon had done today, I'd said we've had an average weekend. <laughs> you know, wasn't it fairly good? Yeah, and and Glenn Barrett. Wasn't he mediocre last night? Wasn't he really? He really was, honestly. Never heard the like of it. And, uh, but so, uh, so um, it's quite touching for me. And it's sort of, for me, it goes, oh, goodness, using all those words. You know, it's, it's one thing, receiving compliments, it's, a, it's so much more difficult. Um, this, uh, just let me tell you a little bit about uh, where I'm coming from today. Priscilla and I went on our first cruise last year. Old people go cruising. Yeah. How to bowl and things like that. And, uh, and it was, uh, we, we actually, it was fantastic. It was, only, it was a beautiful cruise, 255 people on the ship. Kenny Dalglish and Alan Hansen were on it. Yeah, I got a, I got a, a, a photo, photograph with them and talked to them, all the rest of it. But, um, but I find with cruises, uh, or you know, being away with my wife, two days does me, really. <laughs> you know, two days. And then, because I'm an, I'm an external processor, so every thought that goes through my head has to be expressed to someone. And after two days, Priscilla goes, well, you give my head peace. Just get out of here. So I just go and talk to people. And we, we got to meet and talk to the most amazing people. And, uh, and bar, as far as we know, none of them were Christians. And we had the most incredible discussions. And of course, when you're introduced, eventually you get to, and what do you do moment. And if you're, if you're English, you say, uh, if they're English, you say, I'm a minister. And if they're American, you say, I'm a pastor, because they, that, that's the way they understand it. And so when you tell them that, some, you know, sometimes you get different reactions. But we, we talked to this man, I talked to this man, and uh, eventually he said, what, what did you do? And I said, I was a minister. And he instantly said, I'm the world's most confirmed atheist. The world's most confirmed atheist. Wow. And, uh, and so, uh, he, and, he, and, he, and he instantly said to Priscilla, how does that make you feel? I've never been asked that before. He said, how, how do you feel emotionally? Are you offended by that? And she, she thought for a second, she said, no, no, I'm not offended. She said, oh, because suppose I'm sad for you because I've got this most amazing relationship with Jesus. And unless you open up your heart and your mind, you're never going to experience that. And that led us into this incredible, they came and said, could we have dinner with you tonight? And so it went on and on and on. So I, I learned a lot of things. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm well on in years, but honestly, I think some of the stuff that we assume about people who don't know Jesus are just not true. Because when you're in a bubble for a while, you get isolated and cut off. Now, I'm talking about myself, I realize. I spend, I go to football matches, but you know, it's, it's, not, it's not conducive, you know, to preaching the gospel to people. I've had my, we've had our moments. We've had our moments. As Priscilla says, yeah, when you're throwing a bottle at the opposing fans, you can't really talk about Christ, do you? You can't. Anyway, let me read to you the Bible. Let's read the Bible, shall we? 
I've got your mind off something there. Uh, and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull out some things out of the passage and uh, talk to you of some of the things that I, I discovered about people who don't know Jesus. Uh, it's Luke chapter 15, uh, two wonderful parables. Uh, there's a third one, which is in sequence on the, uh, the prodigal son, we call it. Uh, chapter 15, verse one. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I, I, uh, I looked up the word lost, and it's, it's, I, I don't wanna, I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a slightly emotive word, and I looked up all the dictionary meanings. Let me give you some of them, uh, of the meanings of lost. Number one, unable to find one's way. You know, we got lost. No longer in the possession, care, or control of someone or something. I lost my pen. No longer in existence, a van vanished or spent, a lost youth. Uh, no longer known or practiced, a lost art. And these are all dictionary. Beyond reach, communication, or influence, the expedition was lost to the world for two months. Not used to one's benefit or advantage, a lost opportunity. And this is an interesting one that the dictionary put. Beyond recovery or redemption, fallen or destroyed, a lost soul. In the dictionary. And it's the word that Jesus used uh, to describe people who were lost. Now, he is particularly talking about the men and women of his around him. Uh, the, uh, Kenneth Bailey in his wonderful book on uh, seeing the Middle East, uh, cultural eyes in the Middle East, uh, he, he talks about two groups of people that, that largely were in Jesus' day, and they're represented here. In fact, it just says it in the first sentence. It says the Pharisees and the sinners. So there were the, I'll give you the, I'll give you the Aramaic, there were the Habarim, which were the righteous people, the good people, the, the, the people who kept the rules, etc., the people who tried to do their best. And then there were the Amhabarat, literally the people of the land, the religious slackers, the sinners, the, the rest of the people who couldn't match up to the standards of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And Jesus addresses them. And you've got to keep that in mind when you're looking at this parable because he's addressing them. He doesn't, he doesn't you know, give them five points. He tells them three stories, but they know exactly what he's saying. And he, and he divides them into two. So let, let's, have a, let's have a little look at some of this here. Number one, the first point I want to make is this. The sheep didn't get lost on purpose. It got lost through preoccupation. In other words, it munched its way to lostness. You know, it got its head down and started eating grass. And then after about 20 minutes, it looked up and goodness, I don't know where I am. Do you understand? Here's what I found. I found most people that I talked to on that ship, they got lost through preoccupation with life. 
Now, what I mean by that is this. They, they were doing life. They had a career. Most of them, some of them are retired, but they, had, they were taking their kids to football. They were taking their, you know, to dancing. They were staying healthy. They were living life. We live in a very busy world. And what I discovered is most people aren't lost in purpose. They're victims of the pace of life. And, and I suppose I, I, wondered, I began to wonder, how did I understand lost people today? Because I said, I assume, I just, I just thought some of the things I assumed about them weren't true. We assume they're living miserable and empty lives and are consciously running away from God. They're not. They're curious. They want to talk, no question about that. But they don't constantly worry about death and eternity. It's true of some people, but very few. In fact, you see, we think they're living miserable lives. They're not. They're out there cruising. <laughs> you know, seriously. You know, that, that, that particular couple I told you about, he said, this is December. He said, this is our sixth cruise. I said, I said to him, I said, Kenny Dalglish is over there. And I, was, I was really excited. And he said, he said to me, we, we, you're not going to believe this. Who's Kenny Dalglish? I said, you loser. What is wrong with you? And he said, he said, Paul, you don't understand. The only thing we're interested in is cruising and opera. I would rather stick a hot needle in my eye and go to opera. But they flew all around the world. They really, they would go, they would go fly to Sydney for one concert. It was just part of their, that, it's a different world. And so for me to say to them, you're badly in need of something, he'd say, what? <laughs> do, do, do you understand? So I, it, was, it was a very interesting one. In fact, what I discovered was they're having a ball and they hardly ever think about God. Sometimes they do. But in fact, they, they feel sorry for us. They think we're the weirdos. <laughs> but, you know, here's what I, here's what I thought. If someone hasn't gotten down and deliberately done a, a study of Christianity and rejected it as not true or not for them, and most people haven't, don't be assumed they're not open to a new way. Don't, don't assume they wouldn't be interested. Because whenever, one, of the, one of the other things he said to me, and in fact, it was the, it was the, it was the second thing. He said, as, I, as we talked together, and this was just this was sitting in our swimming trunks on a, on a boat, and he, and he said to me, I, you know, I'm the world's most committed atheist. And I said to him, well, tell me about the God that you don't believe in. And he thought for a second, and so he began to talk. And he told me his idea of the God that he didn't believe in. I mean, it doesn't, it's, it real, sounds real Irish, doesn't it? But, but, you know, so I don't believe in God, but I'm going to tell you what he's like. But that was his, in other words, his perception of what I thought. And I said to him, you know, the funny thing is, I don't believe in that God either. Boom, boom. And he said to me, well, tell me about the God that you do believe in. So it got us into a conversation. We're still in touch this day. He sent me a message. I, they, live, they live in the, in the Midlands. And I, and I said to them, hey, we're coming over. We're speaking in the black country, but they're away on a cruise. Hey, that's true, honestly. It's absolutely true. And he said to me, I deeply respect your Christian commitment on Facebook. So, so there's, a, there's a connection there. But I discovered, and, and I, I'd say to you, please, I don't know, you know, what this, most of you work in the real world, they've got, you've got a proper job, and, and you, you meet people tomorrow. Don't assume they're close to Christianity, because maybe they've never really heard the real story. And you might be the only person who, who they will see and read and, and listen to uh, who knows Christ. So please, that's really important that some people haven't rejected Christianity. They just don't know anything about it. 
So don't assume they're close to it. Number two, the lost got saved through the carelessness of someone else. Sorry, the sheep got lost through the carelessness of someone else. There's a, a play on words here because Jesus is talking, he's talking to the Pharisees. You know, one sheep got lost. So what he's saying is, and they understood it, he's saying, you guys, you were the shepherds of Israel, but you lost these people here. And what's more, you don't care about them. And then he changes the metaphor and he goes, but the shepherd went after the sheep. He becomes the good shepherd. And they understand that as well. But the sheep got lost through the carelessness of someone else. In other words, some people have never had the chance to hear about Jesus. You say, oh, well, we're living out. We live in Britain. No, honestly, the problem was that, that no options were given to them. In other words, they never were sent along to church or they went to Sunday school or, or whatever it was. And their lives were controlled by someone else, <coughs> excuse me, and they restricted them from hearing the message. Or maybe the people around them didn't care enough. But, but the problem was this, nobody took responsibility. Language tells you a lot about, about uh, cultures. Um, this is a, a watch. It's not a magic trick I'm going to do, but but in, in English, if you say in English, I drop, you say I drop. If that happens, I go, I drop the watch, All right? In German, you say, in German, I drop the watch. Okay, but but in German, all right. In Irish, in the Irish language, if you if you drop something, you don't say I drop the watch. You say the watch fell from my hand. Now, you say, well, what does that, what that mean? It means this, it's about, I, I, that it wasn't my fault. Now, Semitic languages are exactly the same. So in their day, the, what they're saying, the sheep didn't get lost, it dropped from our hand. In other words, it's not our responsibility. And I, would, I don't want to think that the people around me are anybody's responsibility uh, for me. Uh, 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 and and I, so it's funny, it really, it, I mean, at the age we're at, we just said, you know, it wasn't that we were indifferent, but we said, let's, let's, let's start to pray for our family and our friends, and we're going to take responsibility. We're going to pray for them. We're going to be the people who are God's instruments that will lead them and give them a revelation of yeah. Jesus. Now, please, you are not, <coughs> excuse me, I just say, you're not the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe the gospel. There's an obstacle too great for you to overcome. So you say, well, how does somebody become a Christian? Well, th this is my understanding. I, and I, I call myself semi-Augustinian. Semi that really, that will throw you. But what, what I mean by this is that Paul talks about, he says, he talks about the God, of, the God uh, shining the light of the gospel into their eyes. So what happens is there's generally something happening in someone's life and you share the gospel with them, albeit so simply. And God lifts the veil, the cover over their eyes, and they see what every one of us who are Christians can see. What's that? The glory of God in the face of Jesus. So Paul says, he says, I just tell them about Jesus over and over again. And when I do that, you know what happens? God lifts the veil, he shines the light in, and they come to faith in Christ. Our responsibility is not to lead them to Christ, it's to actually tell them about Jesus. It's actually to share with them. Christ. Could you take responsibility for your friends and family? Why don't, I'm gonna do this at the end, but why don't you be thinking about this now? You put, I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit at the end, to put three people in your head and your mind that you're gonna say, we're gonna take responsibility for them. We're gonna pray for them every day. And, and appropriately, we could, actually we might, we might invite them. If it's a, if it's a female, a, a lady, we'll invite them to the, uh, the digging for diamonds. Uh, if it's Christmas, you know, I, I, when they are, don't assume they're close to doing that. 
take responsibility. Now, I'll finish that point with this story. A friend of mine, a Baptist pastor, a my lifetime friend, who was president of the Baptist uh, Union in Ireland, and uh, we're, we're big football buddies, we sit together. And uh, he told me this three weeks ago. He, he was, he's retired now, but he's preaching in a Baptist church quite near his, uh, where he lives. And as he's preaching, he sees down his window cleaner. Excuse me, this is jigging and it's annoying me. Sorry about that. Could I get a handheld, Elaine? If that would, that would be, uh, can you hear that? It's funny, little things annoy preachers. You probably don't notice it, but I do. Is there fluff in my trousers? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so Freddie, Fred, that's better. Fre- Freddie is, uh, he's preaching to, there we go. He's preaching uh, and he looks down and he sees his window cleaner. So when the meeting's over, he goes down and he talks to the window cleaner and he said, wow, what are you doing here? The window cleaner said, well, I was cleaning the windows of the pastor of this church and he began to talk to me. One day he gave me a cup of tea and he invited me to an Alpha course and I came to Alpha course and I gave my life to Christ. And Freddie said, that's wonderful. And he said to my friend, he said, I've cleaned your windows for two years. You know, it's coming now. He honestly did say, and he said to him, and you, Freddie told this publicly, so I'm not shaming him. And he said, but you have never talked to me about Jesus once. And I honestly, I, I, like I, the two of us, we just sat, I sat there and said, I said, Freddie, hey, I'm not, I, I, no condemnation on you. I, I just has brought this incredible conviction. You know, let's be responsible for the people God brings into our lives. Number, number three, the sheep didn't know it was lost and the, the coin didn't know it was lost. That's the big thing I found. People don't know they're lost. And they know they've made mistakes. You know, I mean, I'm not perfect. Of course we do this, etc. But the, the concept of sin, the concept of a holy God who is unapproachable because of our, uh, our sin and our willfulness and our rebellion that can only be approached through the death of Jesus is it's a concept people don't get. They, 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 they kind of, they like the idea of family. They like the idea of fellowship. There's something about coming. I mean, who wouldn't want to be part of in the warmth here? And, and, and you know, it's something there. But, but when they talk about sin, sin. The, the coin didn't know it was lost. Most people have no concept that they're lost. And, you, and so, you know, if you try and, I mean, you, it's very difficult just to say to somebody, you are lost, as they say in Northern Ireland. You know, you, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't, does not compute. Do, do you understand? So somewhere in our world today, and I know that this is part of the way we, we have de facto become this. We, we take people, we call it on the journey, you know. So, you know, we used to get people to behave. We wanted them to behave. We wanted them to believe what we believe, and we might let them belong. And so what we do today, we said, well, look, Jesus did it the opposite way, way around. He got a group of people who belonged, you know, a group of men. And they, were, listen, they all didn't make it. Let's remember that. But he took them on a journey. What was it? A journey of believing and taught them how to become what God had called them to be. And, and honestly, I, I would think, let me just say, those three people that you, you've thought about or are going to, why don't you take them on a journey this year and let them see a demonstration of what it looks like to live under the reign of Jesus. And when appropriate, talk to them about Christ. It doesn't need to be highfalutin. You know, say something, talk to them, invite them. Um, uh, um, I've got this great illustration that I can't remember. I've got it now, okay. <laughs> I know speakers shouldn't say that, but I, I do. Yeah, we, 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 this, we had, uh, this young girl came to our church, 16-year-old, you know, gave her life to Christ. was fantastic. Talked to her family, and her dad was really upset that she was coming to our church. 
And so, but eventually came, she got him to come to an Alpha course. And on the second week of Alpha, I will never forget it, his name's George. He said to me, Paul, for the first time in my life, I feel that I belong somewhere. I have a group of people who I connect with. And it was, it was a little eye-opener. I thought, well, you know, we're having a discussion. It's happened two weeks in a row, but he feels a bond already. And they took him for a, t- we, we t- you know, took him on a 10-week journey through Alpha. At the end of the Alpha course, guess what? No, he didn't become a Christian. But what he said was, could I come back and do another one? And I said, yeah, you can. And he said, could I be an assistant this time? And I said, well, George, you know, atheists, uh, you know, an atheist assistant, it's, it's problematic, really. You know, it's not, it's not you, know, you know, we're all trying to get people to become Christians here. And he said, so he said to me, talk about, talk about weakness. He said to me, yeah, but I'm bringing four friends. I went, all right, you can't. Really? And he became an assistant. He was the greatest atheist evangelist I've ever known in my life. And he kept, and all of, when three off, all the four friends all came to know Jesus. They all came to Christ, but he didn't. He was a tough nut to crack, I can tell you. But he did it. It was somewhere down the, it's funny, he was somewhere down the fourth, uh, his fourth alpha that, that he, he, he expressed to me in the best way he could I've made a, I, I realize now actually I'm a Christian and it actually describes where people are coming from today you find most people in, 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 in situations today I mean if you're of a certain generation like mine I had a, what I call a Damascus Road experience you know I remember the moment the day that, that you know it was a quarter to nine 25th of October 1987 19, <laughs> 1967 16 seriously I remember as well Romans 10 and 9 they were preaching and I opened up my heart and I gave my life to Jesus and I never looked back. It, it was a life-changing moment. Many people here had a Damascus Road experience. Remember the date, the time, the moment when they trusted Christ. There's not very many Christians in here. There's another one. I see that hand, okay. Actually, most people, most people go, well, it was, I think it was, I think it was when it was just between Easter and this. Do you understand? And so we've got to allow people to take that journey. And all, somewhere along the line, they go, now I know why he died on the cross. It was for me. Something changes. Okay, number three, number four, rather. Um, the, the sheep was lost through a miscalculation. In other words, it was munching its way to lostness and it nipped through a hole in the hedge and it was just a little miscalculation, but it got lost. Do, do you understand? And what you find in people's lives is some, sometimes one little slip in their life, one little thing happens and it sets them off in a particular course. But what, what we discovered was that, that no matter how wealthy people were, they all had, they all had something, in, there was something with them. And it, it, it rendered them open. There was a particular moment we talked to this lady about her mother dying. And she said, and she said that uh, her, her, her fiancé at the time, he was there. And he said, and I was wakened up at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I was aware of, of her mother, which I thought she was getting better. And then I got a call in the morning that, her, that my wife's mother had passed away. And it was at exactly two o'clock. But he, it, was a, it was a moment in his life, you know, something had happened. But, but for, for a lot of people, there's a miscalculation. I, I've, I've got, my story is that uh, when I was, um, when I, my parents split up when I was 16. And again, it was just around the time I got converted. I was the, it just opened me up to, uh, hey, I, I need a savior. I need Jesus. But my mum, my mum at, the, at the age of 16 in 1945 had a son. 
Uh, and uh, when you're 16 in Northern Ireland, 1945, that was a big deal, especially when you're a brother and family. And, uh, and mom, carried, mom carried shame and guilt with her for most of her life. And uh, we, could, we could never talk about it. You know, we, we, we found out eventually, uh, but we could never t- really talk about it. And the years went by. And, and, uh, and then I, I got saved. I'll, 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 I'm telling you for part of a reason. Uh, but but um, I got saved, and I didn't help my mother. Because I remember, I remember when I, was, uh, I said to her one day, I've been saved 100 days, Mom. And she said, I know of it, 100 sermons. Honestly, I was so evangelistic. I mean, I just wanted her to know she was a guilty, hell-deserving sinner and she needed to know about it every day of her life. So I used to, I, she was about 39, I used to put notes under her pillow. That's, uh, seriously. And I, I used to put, be sure your sin will find you out. You know, we, we ones like that. She loved that. And then she smoked menthol cigarettes and I would put wee, wee notes down under her cigarette packet and she'd take them out. And the one, the one that I really loved, but she didn't, was, and the wicked shall be cast into the lake of fire. So when every time she lit the lighter up, pew. It's all on you. It's kind of weird, that, isn't it? Actually, after 14 years, something happened that, was, that you don't need to know, that actually all that stuff that mom had carried for all those years sort of broke out. And we lived in the same street, and she came up and she said, I opened the door and I said, oh, mom, come on in. Because, you know, we're out of it. Anyway, lived our lives entwined. And she said, Paul, I've made a mess in my life and I need Jesus. And we led her to Christ and I baptized her three weeks later and she served God until she passed away uh, four years ago. So, but there was a moment, something happened. And, and I, I'd say, I don't want to be manipulative in any way for people but I would say to you that a lot of people have little breaches in their life. They just make a miscalculation and they feel worthless. They feel nothing will ever go right. But actually, that's, that's the very time we need to step into their life. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the movie What's Love Got to Do With It. So it's the life story of Tina Turner. I love Tina, Tina Turner. I do, I do. What's love got to do with You know, love Tina Turner. Seriously. I, if I ever do karaoke, that's the one I always pick, you know. You know, remember that, won't you? Is that, that visual image, is, it's, it's bad. Tina Turner was married to Ike, and Ike Turner was an abusive, violent man. He beat her. I mean, the movie, it's, it's harrowing, actually. And one, one day, she was beaten to a pulp, and she staggered, got out of the car in traffic, ran to a hotel. The manager recognized her, gave her a room, and she sat there on her own. And uh, there was a, after, a, uh, after several hours, there was a knock on the door, and it was one of her friends. One of the backing singers had found her, and she said to her, Tina, look, you're a mess. I'm going to introduce you to a man who will change your life. And Tina said, please. And she said, I'm going to introduce you to Buddha. And Tina Turner is one of the world's leading Buddhists today. I, I, seriously, she owns an island in Loch Erne in Northern Ireland that's dedicated to, to Buddhism. And I just wonder if she'd had a friend who, who was a Christian, had gone in there, would they go, oh, well, I, I, don't want, I don't want to impose on her. I don't, I, 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 maybe she, she wouldn't be, I just, I just too, maybe she'd a friend had just gone in and said, Tina, I'm going to introduce you to a man who will change your life and your eternal destiny. Let's have a bit of courage sometimes. 
Sometimes people just have a miscarriage. Something happens in their life and they're open to talk and to hear about Jesus. Okay, number five. Uh, and I am, um, yeah, number five, okay. Uh, to be considered lost must mean the item is valuable. Uh, it's interesting. So if, let's say it again. To be considered lost must mean the article is valuable. He who owns them is lost. So if you dispose of something, it's generally not that valuable. But what I discovered was that most people have no idea how important they are to God. Now, I know, I know that, you know, I, I know that, you know, we spend a lot of our time talking about, you know, people are wonderful, you're fantastic, etc. But, but actually, deep down, people have no sense of worth or value, very little of it. There's a deep void in people's lives. And uh, I, I remember years ago going as a 19-year-old to speak at the Methodist Mission uh, in Belfast. And the deal was that, that uh, they would get in some homeless men and they got soup and a sandwich if, if they listened to a talk. You know, I'll not call you. What, I'll not tell you what they called it, okay? But it was quite interesting. So I I knew the minister because I'd been to school with him. He's a bit older than me, and he invited me to come. And so I saw these men. They were, I mean, they were homeless. So they were, you know, everything associated with homelessness. They were smelly. They were unkempt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they sat there, you know, dull, dead eyes. And I, for fifteen minutes, gave them hell. I mean, I really, I did, honestly. And I thought, I felt really good about it at the end of it. And I dangled them over the fire and, and all the rest of it. And at the end of it, my friend Donald, he said to me, Paul, thank you for coming today. He said, there is just one thing. And somebody says that to you, you're in trouble. And he said, the men that you talk to tonight, he said, they have no doubt that they are of little value, that they've made a, a mess of their life, that nobody cares about them, that they're, they are... As you put it, guilty, hell-deserving sinners. Remember, we're in Northern Ireland. He says, but the one thing they do not know is that there's a God who loves them so much that he valued them so much that he sent a son to die for them. But thanks for coming anyway, Paul. <laughs> it taught, taught me a real lesson that day. And, and there's, there's something about it. I, 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 I use this illustration, which I, I think is quite good. We've got a plastic 10-pound note and you know it's pretty pretty straight clean clear and I've got another one in here and it's 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 sorry it's oh it's crumpled and it's dirty and it's marked which ones of greater value they're both the same because you see where you've been and what's been done to you doesn't create your value this is the value is created by the treasury okay and the value of a human being is created by God and when he sees men and women who made a mess of their life, he values them incredibly, incredibly. So, so I, I, somewhere along the line, that's got to be part of our message to people, that God values them and loves them and wants to show them grace and mercy. And number six, I've got seven, when you're lost, it's difficult to trust a stranger. Do you, do you ever... You ever notice that? You go, and then, you know Google, you know Google Maps, and, and I'm an iPhone map man, but these days, so we've got that. That's, that's great, sat navs. But remember the days we had maps and we couldn't find our way, and your wife would drive. I don't know, it's a man thing. I would rather drive around for an hour than ask anybody the, the, the directions. Would you, any other men like that? You know, you know, it's true. And you drive along, and Priscilla goes, there's somebody there, and I'd go, no, she's too old. I'm not, not, not stopping her. She, how would she, would know. And then I'd drive along, and I'd, I'd go, stop there. They're too young. You know, they're too fat. They're too thin. You know, I mean, every excuse. I, I, I just couldn't do it. And, and then it, it, it's, a, it, it's ridiculous. It's difficult to trust, uh, trust a stranger. 
And what I find is this, people who are lost are exactly the same. They, they, uh, uh, what they do is, you know, if, if there's something going on in their life, why don't they call us up and ask, could they get a life? Because they don't know us. Because they don't know us. And I'm not, please, I'm not trying to be, I don't want to condemn you. I'm just going to, I just sort of thought, you know something? We need to have meaningful relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And, we do, and please, please, please hear me. This is not about seeing people as soul fodder. This is about seeing people as people who God loves. And you want to invest in their life. Of course we think the best thing in life would be for them to come to know Jesus. Don't we? Of course we do. I've got a friend's a pastor in the south of England, Wesley, and he said uh, he, his boys got involved in the Eaton Eton uh, Boat Club, and uh, he became the chairman and made friends with people, and they got particularly friendly with this family. Went and eventually went on holidays, and after about six nine months, Eric said to Wes, Wes is the pastor. Wes, could I talk to you? He said, Look, I know you're a pastor and you're a Christian, and I said I'm afraid that you're going to want me to go to your church and become a Christian. And he said, and I don't want to become a Christian and go to your church. And he said, but I'm afraid you won't be my friend anymore. And Wes said, well, I was actually going to ask you to come to church. And, they did, and he did. But he said, after two years, he said, Wes, thank you for still being my friend. Even though I haven't become a Christian, I respect what you, what you do and what you've done. But you're still my friend. Could we make genuine connections with people? Because when they are in trouble, they'll go to a friend. They'll go to somebody they know and somebody they trust. And number seven, finally, and finishing it off, when you're lost, directions are always confusing. Did you, did you ever notice that? You pull down the window and you go, and they go, could you tell me where the is? And they go, well, you, you go up to that, you go, one, two, three. Now, it's pretty sure it's the second. Yeah, it is. It's the second on the right. You take a right down there, about 100 to 150 yards maybe and there's a garage just on your left okay and then you go down left and then what you see is there'll be a school okay and there's a funny there's a lovely there's a yellow house it's really strange actually and they'll and they'll go like this here do you ever do you ever know that there and yeah honestly and they always say the same thing do you know what it is you can't miss it they always say that to you and you and, and then I, I I'm I'm my brain goes into fudge so I I, I know I've got a I've got a fudge so I just put the button down and Stella goes did you get that no I said I know I'm going up there somewhere but that's about the height of it so when you're lost directions are always confusing so here's the point people giving directions assume people know more than you do and, and, and than they do. And, and, and so when we're talking to people, I, I would say this, keep it simple, stupid, okay? Honestly. I, 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 my, my conviction is that uh, actually sometimes we complicate things. Sometimes you just need to tell the power of story. Tell your story. Tell what Jesus has done for you. Honestly, it, it can make the most incredible uh, uh, impact on people. But people assume things. They don't know anything. I, I, we were, I was doing a series a number of years ago on, uh, in Corinthians. And uh, it came to that bit about Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. Do you remember all that one? And so I was talking about it. And at the home, one, a man had got saved in Alpha. And he was at a home group on the Tuesday night. And they were going through the passage. And he said, he said, whoa, yeah, that guy. You wouldn't believe he'd been through that. And they said, what do you mean? He said, our pastor, he's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. He thought I was the Apostle Paul. Really? Now, now, you know, 
I'm not far off him. We're, we're sort of Evie Stevie. We call it Evie Stevie. And, and, and people, people who are listening for directions take, take your directions very seriously. And, and, and when it comes to the Christian faith, they watch and they listen. And they look for inconsistencies. Now, hey, we're all inconsistent. I, 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 that's not an excuse. That's just who we are. But people do, people do value honesty and vulnerability. And if you tell your story, warts and all, and what Jesus means to you and has done in your life, you'll find it'll make a huge impact in people's lives. In that passage, as I finish 2 Corinthians 4, Paul talks, he says this. He goes, when he's talking about the light of God, when God, that moment when the, the veil is lifted, and people see something they've never seen before. And they hear, they hear the cross Jesus explain to them. What happens is this? He says, let there be light. He uses that expression. And he's, he's, he's referencing two things. I think he's, uh, he's talking about his own conversion on the road to Damascus. But, but actually the wording is that he's referring to Genesis chapter 1. When God said, let there be light. And a whole new world was created. And he's saying salvation in someone's heart is as great a miracle as the creation of the world. Because when God speaks and lifts the light and says, let there be light, and the light shines in, and they see Jesus, and they hear about Jesus, and they accept him as their Lord and Savior, what happens? A whole new life begins. He equates the two together. So let me, let me take, put responsibility on you. But, but at the same time, you are not the Holy Spirit. Do what you, God wants you to do and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does and what you cannot do. The obstacles are too big for you to overcome. There's a spiritual battle going on for your friends' lives. And prayer is the key for that veil to be lifted. And when they hear, something changes and something happens. And so today as we, as we finish, um, over this weekend, about building uh, b- bigger people, and one of the ways we do that, of course, is that we, we share our faith. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to you now for those three people. And when appropriate, pray for them, which is all the time. Talk to them. Look for opportunities. And ask them, invite them to something. But please take responsibility. They're not lost in purpose. Most of them haven't thought about it. Nobody's ever take, nobody ever took responsibility. Father, we want to, we want to thank you that um, you've entrusted into our hands the greatest message this world has ever seen, and it's about a person. It really isn't about us, but, but Lord, uh, we, we have this treasure in our earthen vessels, and we pray that we would shine in a way that would impact the lives of those around us. Father, let us take responsibility for sons, daughters, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, colleagues, school, college, whatever. Father, we just say to you today, we're going to take responsibility. We're going to pray. And maybe today you're, you know, you're here and you're, you're not a Christian and you've thought, what is that man talking about? But maybe, maybe you like, want to start that journey today. And uh, maybe you might want to say something like this. I'm not really sure what you're talking about but it has aroused my curiosity. And I'm going to take a journey and find out if Jesus is real 
I'm going to listen to him. Listen, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to others. I'm going to find out. I'm going to take responsibility for my own life. You might even want to sign up to Alpha. It's already begun, but it's not too late for you to come along. That'd be an incredible opportunity for you to actually discover who Jesus is. Or maybe today you said, hey, not waiting any longer. I've just decided today I'm going to commit myself to Jesus. I'm going to give my life to him. I realize that I am incomplete without Jesus. And I invite him to come into my life. Forgive my sins. And begin to change me today. If you did that, we would love to talk to you and pray for you. And, uh, and uh, give you some literature. And just begin to talk to you and help you in that journey that you've just begun today. Thank you so much today for listening.